Hello and welcome to Show and Tell, the podcast series from the RPG Academy, where we bring on a guest and we talk about something cool. Today's guest is Tabletop Terrors, which basically is Tim and James, and Tabletop Terrors is a YouTube channel as well as a podcast focused on RPG goodness. It's very similar in a lot of ways to what we do here at the RPG Academy. Uh, you may be familiar with them already, hopefully you are, because last year they helped us support a catacon. They had us on their show so that we could get in front of their audience and help promote what we were doing. They also gave us a free PDF of an uh, adventure they had put together that got given to all of our attendees. And they're helping us again this year doing the same thing. We have some free PDFs that are in the swag bag if we hit those levels, thanks to these guys. So Tim, James, welcome to our show. Thanks, man. And I am Tim, by the way. If anybody's listening as far as my voice, this is the Tim voice. And it's funny that he says that because if I speak a little bit lower, this is James, but I sound a lot like Tim. So really, we're doing a, this is an interview with only two people, but Tim is pretending to be James as well. That's how we decided to do it. He is an amazing mimic. Yeah, if, if I make my voice a little higher, I think I sound a little like James. pretend to be each other. Fantastic. Now, when we had the chance to talk to you guys last year on your show, um, James was not there, but you commented, uh, Tim, that you and he have a very similar uh, sort of relationship as to Caleb and I, and that basically means that you know James really won't get to talk this entire interview. <laughs> now, I'll muscle my way in there. Oh, see, look, Tim's, uh, I think he was muted there for a second. That's, uh, I, I, no, I don't worry, I muted him so that I could talk now. <laughs> not really. But... <laughs> don't, don't teach Caleb that. It would have don't been very apt. That. That's the thing. It's actually funny because I... Um... I think lately, I have to say, it's become more balanced over at Tabletop Terrors. I think we're doing a better job. Before it was, Tim talks a long time, and then James comes back through and cleans up all of Tim's mistakes. <laughs> Very similar to how Caleb described what he does for you, Michael. Yeah, that is absolutely the same. We, I like to ramble, and eventually I'll get there. It just may take me oh, a yeah. while. And then Caleb, he, we call him the summarizer. He basically takes everything I said and puts it into like a couple coherent sentences, and then we can move on to the next thing. Uh, which actually, there's one. that's one of the reasons why he is not here tonight. We have found that when we do interviews, it's actually better for us to not be uh, together because then I just dominate the conversation and he eats a sandwich. So, so we've been alternating interviews. So I have this one. So we've already started talking, which is great, but I don't know anything about you. You know, where did you guys get into gaming? How do you know each other? Why did you start a podcast and a YouTube channel? Uh, you know, what is it about those things that has interested you and what sort of advice and, and sort of topics do you generally cover on your show? So that's a great question. And I'm going to flip the script and James, I'm going to throw it to you. What do well, you think about that? I uh, usually, well, that's a Tim question. That's, I would go off 10 minutes right now. Now, well, do you want me to do that? Or do you want to, you want to crack at this? Are you going to keep talking when I try to talk or? Yeah, that's my <laughs> job. If I want to talk. This is scary, man. This is like looking into a mirror. Can I just get the first thing? Can we break those questions down to maybe one at a time, please? <laughs> Absolutely. So let's start with how do you guys know each other? All right, so we are uh, both aliens from the planet Zarthop, and we can know. <laughs> um, You've blown our cover. Uh, <laughs> Tim and I are brothers. Uh, we grew up together, and we're not nearly as close as we were, or are we as we are now. As Tim and I are brothers, and we are not nearly. Now I know why Tim always does the talking. Jeez, we were not as close as we are now. Then I'm the worst at pronouns. 
uh, very recently, probably within the last, I'd say, five years, uh, become a lot closer. You know, it was all fighting when we were siblings that were stuck in the same house, sometimes the same room. But, you know, our our relationship has matured into what you see today, which is, as you described, uh, one of us messes everything up and the other one tries to clean it up. We do trade occasionally, but Tim is usually the messer upper. It's true. <laughs> nice. Okay, so where did uh, where did tabletop RPGs, D and D, where did that come into the equation uh, with you guys? Well, with that one, I think Tim should start because he started it, and I sort of piggybacked on him, so he can he can begin that portion. I think. Sure. So uh, one of those stories where I I didn't realize that tabletop RPGs were actually a thing. I was like sixteen or seventeen years old. And when I realized what they were and I kind of heard about them and I saw a friend playing them, it just, I was like, what? I took all the money out of my savings at that time, which was very meager working at my job as a bag boy. Uh, I went to, at the time, it was a Walden Books in the mall and I bought every Advanced Dungeons and Dragons book they had. Now, the stinger on this story <laughs> is that as I was checking out and I finished, Michael, I finished, my purchase is over. The clerk says, yeah, so yeah, we got that new version coming out in like two weeks and that's going to be cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I bought all the advanced D&D books like two weeks before third edition came out. And I was like, wah, wah. But that's where our journey uh, as a family playing D&D began. And we just started pouring into those books and pretending we knew what Thaco was. And Yeah, no no one knows that. That That's like an inside joke. Everyone that pretends that they know, they're just lying. Yeah. <laughs> so that's actually interesting because Tim, like he said, he bought all the books. My first, the first mention to me that I, that I really remember of AD&D specifically was my dad was really into the uh, role-playing games on the computer, specifically Baldur's Gate and later Icewind Dale. And I loved reading the, they came with probably the thickest manuals ever. And I mean, it was almost the core rules for D&D at the time, but a video game. And that was the first time where I saw, okay, you know, these are based on, on this, this game, Dungeons and Dragons, that I had, I'd heard the name before, but I never really knew. I mean, I was very young at this point. And I remembered loving the rules, and it was great. And that was when they did, you know, things like Faco and uh, other weirder rules that we're, uh, I'm not really, I never really played with. And then one day, um, you know, years later, I came across Tim's uh, 3.5 books at the time. So this was a little after, you know, the story he just told. I came across the 3.5 books, and I was sucked in immediately. He had all three of the main core books. Um, so the Player's Handbook, the DM's Guide, and the Monster Manual. And I just, I would go. He would, you know, worked during the day, but he still lived at my parents' house. I mean, he probably was 16 at the time. And... uh he, when he was at work, I would sneak into his room, something I was absolutely not supposed to do, and I would break open the books, and I, you know, just reading them, I made multiple characters, I, I was just in. The sad part of that story is it wasn't, it was probably two, maybe three years before I ever played. Like, I knew the rules before I ever played. In fact, one of my favorite stories to tell is, uh, there was a thing called Living Greyhawk that I'm sure a lot of people have heard of. Um, you know, these these sort of wizard uh, sanctioned events that I think they do something like that now. But I was actually um, I had never played D&D before, but you could go online and you could get certified to be a DM for these, you know, special events. 
And I actually got my DM certification before I ever once played or DM'd a game <laughs> because I knew the rules so well. So that, that's my story of like, that's where it started for me. Yeah, and Michael, I busted him not because I ever caught him in my room. Oh, okay. He was really, really good about putting everything back and all that. Where, where I busted him was I found some of his notes. He, he was making like a mummy lore sort of, I don't know if you remember this, James. You had like I this totally kind do, of, yeah. and so I'm, I'm flipping through and I'm like, what is this? And I'm looking, it's not my handwriting. And I'm like, what? And I'm looking through this. And so then I'm walking around the house like, hey, does anybody know where this mummy lord notes came from? <laughs> and I didn't think they were James's because they were so good <laughs> that I assumed it was someone else that wasn't as young. So that was really cool too. So he had a bunch of characters and he was just waiting for the day where you would say, hey, buddy, do you want to play? You'll have to make a character. And he's just like whips it out. No, I'm ready. Exactly. <laughs> you have no idea. I hardly came prepared. It's like, yeah, um, it's funny because there was a, you know, we were brothers and we, like he said, we didn't get along the best. So there was this phase of my friends and I huddling into my hot room with a window unit air conditioner playing D&D. And James, you're not allowed in here. Stay away, dummy. Like, and only a couple few years later after that did we finally sit at the table and play together. Yeah, that that was the other thing, as I remembered, you know. And then basically it was James, you can't come in here. And then you know he would they would play a session maybe every week or maybe every you know couple couple times a month. And finally, I convinced him to okay, I'll, I'll you know I can sit in the room. He's like, you can sit in the room. You just you can't do anything. You can't touch anything. You can't talk. And I was happy to do that. I sit there and watch, <laughs> watch, you know. And finally, like you said, after. You know, a while of that, eventually, like somebody didn't show up or, you know, somebody canceled on him and, um, you know, he begrudgingly let me play and that kind of started it. This is your big shot, kid. <laughs> exactly. Don't blow it. <laughs> yeah. So that was great. Fantastic. All right. So we've, we've covered who you are, how you know each other and where RPGs came into your life. So when did you decide and what made you decide to do a podcast and a YouTube channel and sort of share your experiences? Like what was the, the goal of doing it and what was the inciting incident that caused you to want to do it? Well, I like the idea of this story, but I want it to start a little before that only because we I never played uh, tabletop role-playing games nearly as much as I would have liked to have. And I feel like that had a lot to do with it. So when we started Tabletop Terrors, I feel it was a very interesting decision based on our not having played RPGs as much as a lot of people that I know. You know, a lot of people I met in the YouTube community are like, oh yeah, I've been playing every week for five years. And I'm like, listen, man, I loved the idea, but I didn't get to play nearly as much as I wanted to. Um, so if we start there, uh, we played a lot of 3.5. You know, I, I probably, we played in a few different adventures. In fact, Tim brought me and I think one of my other brothers to one of those living Greyhawk days where we go and, you know, we, um, it's like sanctioned play. So we meet people we don't know. We drove really far, met people we didn't know. But I mean, you're playing D&D. &D, I wasn't sad about it. And then we stopped playing for a while. You know, whatever, some of the friends he knew that he played with, he didn't uh, really you know play with them anymore. And then fourth edition came out. And I actually remember because I, uh, I pre-ordered, I bought the um, core set for Tim, the fourth edition core set for Tim. Um, now, of course, this is before we knew anything about it. You know, I mean, I understand there's there are some feelings that people have about that system now, but we hadn't played in forever, and that was the new system. So I'm like, I didn't even know anything about it. I just knew that it was for sale, or rather for pre-order. I pre-ordered it, and we didn't play it that much. You know, I think life kind of got in the way. 
Um, and we did. I remember sitting down and we played a couple of times. We tried it out and it was a lot of fun, but not consistently. You know, I was I've always been jealous of people that have these like, oh, yeah, I have this, I've had this running campaign for three years. And I'm like, I can't get three weeks together you know, to play. Um, so then, Tim, if you want to uh, tell the story of why we started Tabletop Terrors the way you see it after, you know, that little bit of context, I think it makes it a little more interesting. Sure. So there's an interesting quote and I, I'm going to get it wrong, but I'll have the, the <laughs> uh, and the quote is that unused creativity is not benign. And that always stuck with me because I think James and I were itching to do something. We, you know, we like to create, we like to write, we like to do something. And so, um, he and I had this, this crazy idea to start a blog and it was called chainsaw creative sharp, continuous thought. That was the, you know, the idea. And it was just this crazy variety blog, some video games and some, you know, short stories and some like we even did like radio dramas and, and different crazy stuff. And the, the, the goal was to get people coming to this blog, you know, get people to the website. Um, but it just, it, I don't know, something was wrong. We just, we weren't clicking. We, we weren't finding the passion in it. Um, so it was still some of the, that, that creativity that we're like, man, this isn't working. We're not finding this, this kind of uh, satisfaction we yeah, thought we would find. It's still sort of, it, it was very much like, I can tell you're having a hard time describing it, and I am too, because it was really cool, and I really like some of the content we made, but it was it was as though somebody hired us to uh, write a TV show. Um, it wasn't like something we loved doing. It was cool, and we, you know, it was almost like we were trying to make something everybody would love, and in that, we'd lost a little bit of something. Yeah, it was it was really weird, man. So the idea is. We have this blog, it's called Chainsaw Creative, and we think, okay, this is going to be awesome. But the problem was, you can't, I can't fake what I'm passionate about. So we still had this itch, and we were like, it was the weirdest feeling, Michael, because we had all the tools in front of us. James built a website, we had the audio equipment, we had video equipment, but we are just like, ah. And then something really weird happened, and a lot of people don't know this part of the story. Um, my daughter was born. And my daughter was born with a condition. She it was she was tongue tied, which essentially means that her tongue and her uh, like the bottom of her mouth are connected. Also, her top lip and her gums are connected, and that that causes oh. a lot of problems with eating. To be from, clear, I think it's it's a little more connected than it's supposed to be, right? Because I mean, there's some level of connection. Yeah, no, I it mean, like, yeah, it's, it's it's overly connected. Like, yeah, I, like there's yeah. So like how you know a normal person can run their tongue over their teeth and you know, top and the bottom and the, it separates um, when you're tongue tied on the top and the bottom, there's basically this extra flap of skin right in the middle. So the child can't uh, like drink a bottle or breastfeed or anything like that. So the reason why I'm bringing all this up is because my daughter needed a surgery that was like 600 bucks. And we had just had a baby. We had just invested all this money in like, you know, all the, the, the things you need when you have a baby, like a crib and all that stuff. So I just was like, Hey James, 
will you help me? I'm going to put something on Reddit, basically offering to do D&D work for hire. Fifth edition was just kind of coming out. It was almost ready to come out. And it was like, okay, let's just do this. Yeah, we had we had fiddled with the playtests a little. Yeah, we printed we those out. We, we did a couple games like that. Just no like real deep sessions or like it was really just it was playtesting. It was for fun. We were just kind of tossing some stuff around. Exactly. So I was like, hey, here's what we'll do. Um, and this is all kind of the paraphrased version. And, and the timeline's pretty much there. I need to write this down someday <laughs> so I don't forget the steps. But the bottom line is I was like, hey, we'll call it Tabletop Terrors. We'll do D&D work for hire to pay for Evie's surgery. Uh, and my daughter's name is Evie, Evelyn. Long story short, we got the money we needed. Uh, there were a lot of really cool people on Reddit. And I was working for hire doing D&D and James was helping me. And it dawned on me during that process. I was like, this is the thing. This is the thing I love to do. It's a wide open space. It's anything we want it to be. We need to talk about tabletop RPGs. So we essentially ditched Chainsaw Creative. Whole cloth. I think the website just came down like last week. Yeah, it was, it was up for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. The the we changed... Uh, hosts but Host, yeah. long story short <laughs> no such thing with tabletop terrors long story <laughs> longer um that's how tabletop terrors was born we decided you know what this started for a, a reason that was really cool to us but let's finish it so we built a blog and we just started doing videos and you know that's kind of where we are today so if you somebody wants to go to your YouTube channel right now and look back at some of the things that you've created, it's basically youtube.com slash tabletop terrors. Uh, exactly. You also have an audio podcast, which is basically the, the same uh, show. It's just in audio only form. Or, or is there any difference between the two channels? So there isn't any difference. Um, some people like to listen when they're driving. And, you know, the YouTube app on your phone, you have to have it open in most cases. And some people don't like that. Uh, so we like to provide both. So our Podbean account, tabletopterrors.podbean.com, has all the audio from the videos. Now, I say that with an asterisk. We were kind of figuring things out. So in the beginning, there might be some things on the Podbean channel that didn't make it to the YouTube and vice versa. But eventually it lines up and it's you can tell pretty easily like, oh, this is here and this isn't here. But yeah, most of the time, it's just sheerly redundant. Okay. Now, like here at the Academy, we have a bunch of different show types. Like right now, we're doing a show and tell. We bring on guests and we talk about what they're doing. We have uh, the campaigns, which are our long-form actual plays. We have short-form actual plays. And then we have our general GM theory discussion advice shows, which are called Table Topics. Like what kind of format do you guys have? Is it always the sort of same like stream of consciousness sort of thing? Or do you have segments to, you know, what sort of things? If, if I'm only interested in GM advice, but not actual play, where do I go on your, on your site? If I only want actual play and I don't care about GM theory, where do I go on your site? Sure. It's a good question. James, would you, I, I would say direct them towards the playlists. Yeah. So um, the important thing, I guess, to realize is we used to have a bunch of different video types. Um, and uh, as much as, you know, I, I'd like people to just go there and figure it out. Uh, you know, we have to mention that we sort of overcomplicated this whole thing in a lot of different ways over time. So the main thing is most of our videos are going to be about RPG stuff. And we don't necessarily differentiate between GM and player. 
And in fact, in any case we can, we do our best to include both. So if we have a really cool tip for, you know, how a GM can, uh, you know, spice up their intros for their NPCs, we'll try and come up with a way that, that players can do that as well. Um, the main thing I want to go into now, though, is we've very simplified everything. That sentence didn't make sense. We've, we've just simplified everything down. We sort of boiled it down. And we have uh, two main things. I guess technically three now. We have one that we call offhand attack. And this is a video that Tim and I do um, sitting in my car, usually in uh, my parking lot to the apartment I live in, um, where we, we go to 7-Eleven, we get energy drinks, we come back, and we just talk. Usually uh, we horse off as the – like if I had to write a technical spec sheet for this section, it would be offhand attack. This is where Tim and James horse off and sometimes give a good tip. So we do some horsing off, then we go inside my, uh, my apartment, we you know, set up all our stuff, and then we'll do uh, what we, we refer to as a topic video or a beyond the rules video, which is this is where we cover the bulk of our RPG stuff. And this is going to be most of the videos you see if it's Tim and I just sitting, staring at a camera with a black backdrop behind us. We sometimes, you know, we do a, a tabletop off topic where we'll talk about crazy stuff that, you know, just whatever we want. Um, and that has sort of become our outlet for just stuff. You know, we, we found that when we would film videos about RPGs, we would throw away about half of it when we didn't talk about RPGs. <laughs> so <laughs> we kind of decided, all right, you know, let's keep that part. So we keep that, but, you know, we still talk about RPGs in that as well. But that's the most off topic. And if, if you don't care about Tim and James, but you want to hear maybe a cool tip, that's going to be a little less uh, up your alley. But then we have our Beyond the Rules videos, which is, you know, strictly RPG from beginning to end. We not, that's not entirely true at all. I'd say 80% RPG. because always horsing off. Yeah, there's always horsing off. In fact, we're acting, we're behaving very well. There's yeah. A lot more non sequitur stuff, a lot more laughing from me, uh, and a lot more just offhand crazy jokes. Exactly. Um, and then we have one more thing that we're very excited about. This is probably, and this has resounded well with everybody, but this is one of my favorite sections. Uh, Tim came up with it, or segments rather. It's a thing we do called Splat Book Roulette, where we uh, get a rule book of just about any RPG system. So far, we've only done D&D 5th edition, but you know, eventually we're going to branch out to other RPG systems, other Splat Books, digital Splat Books, whatever we want. I mean, we were making jokes today about how uh, eventually, when we run out of stuff, we're going to do Splatbook Roulette on a calendar. And uh, the idea is we take a book, we introduce the book, you know, we, we uh, tell people about it, we flip to a random page, Tim puts his finger down on the book, and we talk about that thing. Uh, usually the idea is in five minutes um, or less, which is never going to happen, um, <laughs> we do our best to give a cool tip about how you could use that. Um, our inaugural episode when we first decided to do it, uh, was about carrying capacity from the player's handbook, I believe, um, of D&D 5th edition. And I think it went really well. So that really kicked it off. And um, that's our only like really different segment that is a little more short form and is otherwise going to be kind of horse and off, but really interesting to watch. It's, it's so much fun to make. Okay. Yeah. And Oh, go ahead, Michael. Yeah, we're 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 monopolizing here. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. But, I mean, you're here to talk about your thing. I want I want you to do that. Uh, but I just want to ask about your release schedule because it sounds like you guys are putting out quite a lot of content. So, when do new videos slash new episodes get put up on the site? So that's a great question. So, <clears throat> what we've started doing is, first of all, we've, like James said, we've streamlined it. So, 
we're able to, since we're just kind of being ourselves and just talking now, um, the, the way I would describe it, and, and we were discussing this, and we really put our finger on it, a lot of videos try to manufacture a moment. And for some people, that's fine. But we've stopped focusing on manufacturing a moment and started trying to just capture the moment that's happening. And when we do that, we're able to film like five videos in a day. Yeah. So our release schedule, as long as everything's going well, is every Monday you're going to get a splat book roulette. Every Wednesday, you're going to get an offhand attack. And then every Friday, you're going to get a beyond the rules or some kind of topic video. And that's generally it. It might have an extra one in there, like the tabletop off topic. Maybe that'll be Saturday or Sunday, but we really want to stick to the Monday, Wednesday, Friday as often as we can. Okay. And then about how long are each of your uh, videos slash episodes? Since I mean, <laughs> three times a week, I, we do two episodes a week here and people think I'm insane because I am. So doing three a week would like terrify me. So I'm going to guess that most of these are shorter, but, but uh, who knows? So well, funny you ask. That's a really funny thing because okay, well, go ahead, Tim. You you go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just gonna say that James's camera has a limit on it that it can only record twenty four minutes of video at a time before it will automatically shut off because it has to read and write to the card. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and throw in the most the 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 worst tip, and nobody, none of your listeners probably care about this. Um, it's a digital uh, SLR, so. It actually, the limit is not on the reading and writing, I learned. It is a limit because if uh, a camera can record over 30 minutes of video, it's considered a camcorder, and it's taxed 16% more. So they put a hard, <laughs> they put a software limit on how much you can record with the camera um, so that they don't have to pay more money. So I just like throwing that out there. It's one of the least and most interesting things I learned in the last like six so weeks. We, we need that, the more you know star and the rainbow going across. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that's why some cameras have a, a you know limit despite technology. But go ahead, Tim. <laughs> well, let me tell you how well I know my brother. I shortcutted that whole description for the sake of your listeners. <laughs> and I knew that. And I was like, okay, well, it's 20 minutes. And then James downloaded essentially what is a hack to get it to extend it to 24 minutes and be able to manually control some stuff. But that said, we decided consciously that we have to stop making only 24-minute videos. <laughs> 24 minutes plus videos, because right. we also went through a stint where we were doing more podcast style, and those were routinely an hour long. Like, no right. problem. We just knock it out. So the very convoluted tabletop terrors carny answer to that is splatbook roulettes are going to be pretty short because we're supposed to keep it five minutes and under plus the setup. So seven minutes there, maybe. An offhand attack is around five or seven minutes because it's just us horsing off in the car. It's but we also, only do try to deliver a solid tip. Yeah, but it's a it, bunch of funny stuff. It's also as long as Tim can hold the camera up because, I mean, it's not a light camera, but we but, don't have a setup in the car to sort of aim it at both of us. So he holds it, and <laughs> it's kind of like if his arm starts getting tired, the video is yeah. going to get short real quick. So, Michael, you'll see it. It's I'm doing the classic, like, tourist selfie, but it's a video. And I've got my arm locked, and you can tell when I switch hands. Yeah, <laughs> nice. It looks like a born identity fight scene. <laughs> <laughs> so I have no idea what's going on, but it sounds cool. Right. And then <laughs> our, our topic videos tend to be like 24 minutes. We okay. usually push that to about 24 minutes. So what we've tried to do is understand that people don't have 30 minutes every time we want to 
shoot our mouths off. And so we yeah. tried to vary the length a little bit. Okay. Now, when we had talked about doing this tonight, you had actually brought up the uh, splat book roulette. Um, so I think we're going to do one of those. But before we do that, I want to circle back to that. Because sure. the, the thing about I also want to get across about your show, which we've already hinted at, that you have provided us uh, with an adventure for last year's Akatacon. And, and we don't know yet what it's going to be. It's just a uh, amorphous supplement currently right. for this year. But you guys have moved into basically like publishing. You regularly put out written content in, you know, supplements to classes as well as adventures. So like, when did that transition happen? It sounds like it kind of started that way because of the, the Reddit thing. But I want to talk a little bit about like the, the published material you have, where people can find it, and what are some of the, the choice things that you think, if someone only gets one of our things, what do you want them to grab first to get a good idea of what kind of content you create that way? Sure. I, I want to throw it to you, James. I'd be interested to hear your thought on that. Yeah. Um, so to give you an idea, Tim and I are a part of Tabletop Terrors, but um, and there's just no question that you can ask me where I can give you a short answer. So I'll, let me apologize beforehand. Tim and I started Tabletop Terrors, and then Tim, you know, sort of, we, we stumbled into this, this community of, of people that were making RPG content and YouTube videos. And um, Tim first became really good friends with a few people, uh, specifically uh, a guy we know named Matt Click from A Fistful of Dice and uh, Barker, Michael Barker from Be a Better Game Master. Um, and, you know, that friendship slowly grew. Tim is in a, a, an actual play on Matt Click's channel um, called The Provokers. And so we sort of were, you know, making friends and, and being becoming a part of this community. And that eventually grew to become our publishing company that the four of us that I mentioned are a part of called Absolute Tabletop. Uh, you can find that, you know, all of our stuff at absolutetabletop.com. And, um, you know, we create, publish, and release um, original supplements for usually D&D 5th edition. A lot of our stuff is sort of could be, you know, tweaked to uh, any system, specifically something like, you know, fantasy system, Pathfinder. But um, we do our best to make sure it's not all mechanics and crunch. So if you wanted to run an adventure we have, say, on the site, you could still use the basic story, even if you wanted to do it for something like Fate. Um, I don't. I haven't heard of any instances that somebody's done that yet, but I think it would be interesting. Um, as far as the question of what, I, if somebody gets one thing, uh, what they should get, we have a, a lot of different supplements, and we have a few that are, you know, like okay, this is uh, parts of our different um, original worlds, and then some of them are more like uh, workbooks to be a better game master, specifically part of our be a better game master series, and some of them are adventures. I would say that one of my favorites, like if you had to get one thing, um, would be the Be a Better Campaign Master book one, Building the World. Uh, this is one of our longest books. It's one of the, the most recent that we, we released. It's 127 pages of just – it's difficult to describe without making it sound like a textbook, but it's like this really streamlined world-building process from beginning to end. Um, you can jump around, but like if you have ever wanted to create a world specifically for a – uh, an RPG game, but really for anything, it breaks it down into usable steps to really get you thinking about your world and come out the other end of this 127 pages with just a really concrete idea of, of what your world is. Or, you know, and again, it didn't, wouldn't matter if you were writing a novel and wanted to create a world. This is a really good way to do it because it mixes sort of just some inspirational stuff with real life stuff, you know, uh, regarding tectonic plates and how things work and why mountains are where they are. And but honestly, all, 
I was yeah, going to say, but all in a very conversational way that's not boring and that I want to read. Like I check out when people start world building with textbooks and overt science and charts of river flow. <laughs> yeah. You know why? Because your players don't care what the coastlines look like. <laughs> exactly. And uh, my, my, well, go ahead. I was just going to say that to me, the reason why this is a really good book to try out is also, Michael, it's system agnostic. So it doesn't matter what your flavor is from you know, Pathfinder to Savage Worlds to Numenera, this is going to work for you. Yeah, so specifically this book has one of my favorite parts. You know, it's 127 pages, but it has a list of over 100 questions at the end about your world that range anywhere from, you know, who was the last king that died to to people like wine or ale more. And it's those little, you know, this long list of questions that has been one of the best ways to flesh out your world. Um, in fact, the cool thing about that is on the site, if you um, go to absolutetabletop.com, uh, the Be a Better Campaign Master book is um, $5.95, but that's one of the PDFs we have a free sample of. So you can go on there and get a 20-some-odd page free sample. Um, if you're not sure, you know, look through it, see what you think, and it's a good way to – it's a really good way to start out in the sort of absolute tabletop world, I think. That would be the one I would suggest to people. Okay, so that – Sounds awesome, and actually uh, somewhat um, coincidental. The very last episode we did of our show, Table Topics, was about building a campaign world, and we gave some general advice in how we would do it and some of the techniques that we use. And we did not go into the depth of obviously of 127 page PDF, but <laughs> yeah. you know, we we gave some insight on how we do it. Uh, so again, so you basically you would go to absolutetabletop.com, mm-hmm. and if they purchase it, it's like you said, five ninety five, but there is a free version of that available yeah exactly so that is a that is a favorite item what is the newest thing that you guys are working on the thing that you're right now most excited about and you want to talk to people about so kind of on the heels of that it's funny because you know what good is a campaign building book if you don't use it to build a campaign world and one of the things that we try to do at absolute tabletop is we have each of us creating different style and tones of content. So we at Tabletop Terrors, like our flavor, what we've poured all our efforts into is our homebrew campaign world of Dragon Grin. And the concept behind Dragon Grin is it is a campaign setting where the Dark Lord has won. So there's this vile figure called the Dismembered Lord. And essentially what happens if the bad guy wins? What happens if Sauron gets the One Ring? What happens to the world? Um, and that's where our campaign world begins. And so with a threat that awful, James and I started thinking, well, even the most heroic would have a, a struggle to try to survive in this place where evil thrives. So if that necessity is the mother of invention then there has to be an even greater good. You know, like think the Expendables or the Avengers meets D&D. And that's where James and I came up with a concept called the Copper Jackals. And the Copper Jackals are essentially a paramilitary group divided into different specific and unique chapters that operate as guerrilla warfare against this dismembered Lord in our campaign world of dragon grin. And 
we just came out with a 130-page book giving not only lore of Dragon Grin, but a robust and detailed rule set that's so easy to use to make your own Copper Jackal. And so it has some Dragon Grin lore, like the 11 grisly truths of Dragon Grin right in the front of the book, so you can kind of get some inspiration for our world. But then it takes you through the process from gaining this mystical piece of Titan Copper and having it minted into a coin and then eventually emblazoned onto you as something called a Jackal Bite that gives you these preternatural powers. And this has had 50 hours plus of playtesting. So it's not just some cockamamie homebrew, you know, that's just kind of, oh, and then you get plus five to this. It's like the things that you can add to your character in this book to make them that expendable or that Avenger, it's been playtested, it's been proven at the table, and it just gives you this extra kind of cool set of superpowers you can use. And that's what we're super stoked about is the Copper Jackals because it's really fun to square off against impossible odds and survive. So the, the first thing that I thought of when you were talking about that, one is it, it sounds like for the most part, that's something that you're probably going, going to want to use in that world. But there's always going to be somebody who wants to take that and pop it into their world, um, you know, and, and basically put it into a different type of game. So how do you think that would translate? If I'm playing a pretty well standard D&D 5th edition game and one of my players says, hey, I just got this awesome supplement from Absolute Tabletop, how is it going to compare power level to an equivalent level character in a game? Am I going to have to do some hand-waving or do we need to do like a, like a almost like a side quest that would work that in? Because the thing I'm thinking of, I, I'm a comic book reader from a long time ago, and there was a series back in the 80s of Spider-Man where he got these like cosmic powers for like yeah. five issues, but he didn't get them co- correctly. Uh, you know, it was a Amer- greatest American hero type of thing where he didn't get all of them. That's He didn't get the knowledge of why he needed them, but he was super powerful while he needed some, some stuff. So I almost imagine playing a fifth edition game where something crazy happens. These are the chosen heroes. They are given these abilities b- via this homebrew. And then after they've defeated that thing, those go away. And then they kind of almost go back into the game that they were going. Does that make any sense? Am I rambling? It's brilliant, and you're not rambling. In fact, I think that is actually a super wicked way to use the Copper Jackals as sort of a side quest, like you're saying. Like, hey, guys, let's dip into this genre for a couple of sessions and then pop back. Um, That's really flipping brilliant, Michael. Um, I have my moments. Well, and the answer to your question is like, how easy and would you have to hand wave? Not at all. We give you the the beauty of having play tested it as much as we did is that there's actually, not only is there a full section on how to incorporate it into your game world and the challenge level that should be appropriate. There's an additional XP budget chart. So your game master can make the encounter specifically including a copper jackal in it. And In addition to all of that, there are even, there's like four or five little sections that show you how you can use pieces and parts of the Copper Jackals if you just want to add a little more mustard in one other area. Like, use this one piece of a Copper Jackal and make it additional feats your players might have. Uh, Use these special weapons and allow them to use it minus this, and it works great. So there's actually a whole section to incorporate it into your game. 
but I love your idea and I think that I'm going to steal it. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. So you've sold me on the Copper Jekyll. Um, how do I get my hands on that one? How much is it going to cost me? Where do I go? That kind of cool stuff. You will also find that on absolutetabletop.com. And uh, the Copper Jackals, uh, you can see, you know, you can search there. You can filter it uh, there by a lot of different things. But you'll see all of our products on the front page. Um, the Copper Jackals, uh, you'll find there, and it's six ninety five, And that is actually our uh, longest book. That was our, our record for the longest book. It still holds it at 130 pages um, of content. And so, like I said, you can find that on absolutetabletop.com for $6.95. However... Because we love RPG Academy and because we are just excited to meet some like new great listeners and because we want you guys to just be able to jump in and enjoy this stuff and give us a, a shot. We're actually going to give it to anyone listening to this podcast for a buck. So for $1, all you have to do is put in the coupon code RPG Academy so when you go to checkout, you just put in RPG Academy and the Copper Jackals will only be $1. So you guys can kind of try it on, see if we're crazy, see if we're blowing smoke, and hopefully you guys will love it. And we're happy to do that for all you Acadiconners. Well, that is fantastic. Thank you for that. Um, so we, we, we talked briefly about this at the, at the well before the show started. Um, we're going to run that coupon for 30 days from when this episode comes out, but we don't know when this episode is going to come out just yet. Uh, but whenever it does, obviously I'll tell you guys ahead of time. So just any listener, if this episode is more than 30 days old, that coupon code may not work for that product. It may work for something else. So go ahead and try it, but, um, <laughs> but it may yeah. not be for the, for the copper jackal. Um, but again, thank you guys very much for doing that. I hope a lot of my listeners, I mean, a buck's a buck. That, that's literally the difference yeah. of a small fry and a large fry. Even if they <laughs> don't like it at all, a dollar is worth the, the knowledge of whether or not they do. Because if they do like it, now they have all this additional resources they now can go to uh, to get more and more content that they like. So I hope a lot of people will check it out for a dollar. Um, and again, the people who came to a Catacon last year got a free copy of, it was the, the Marsh Adventure you guys wrote? Oh, yeah. It was a horror at Misty Meadows. Yeah. Yes. And I know uh, uh, the other Michael, who uh, sometimes is on our show, ran that a couple times. He did enjoy the adventure. I think he ended up actually running it again off, outside of a catacomb because he liked it. And then again, this year, we're going to get something for a catacomb this year, but we don't know yet what that something is going to be. So thank you guys very much. I appreciate you guys helping us out like that. For sure. Um, and I did want to bring up one more thing. I know this has been quite a plug fest, but if I could just plug one more thing real quick. The thing I like to mention when people, you know, when we tell people to get something from absolutetabletop.com is that we also have a, a Facebook group um, that is, you know, the Absolute Tabletop uh, official group. And the reason I bring that up is if you, you know, go and you get the Copper Jackals or maybe you get the World Building um, uh, Campaign Master Book One, if you go to absolutetabletop.com, sorry, <laughs> if you go to facebook.com slash absolutetabletop, um, I think. Oh, no, facebook.com slash groups. Slash groups slash absolute table. Or if you just search it. Um, what you will find there is you will find a sort of group of roughly 500 uh, as of now like-minded people that will uh, happily you know, give you some advice on your world if you go there and post the map that you created with Campaign Master. Or if you go there and you know, you, you're looking for a group to play our, our latest adventure, uh, adventure, Sewers Under Sandwall, or maybe you, you know, want some advice on how to spec out your Copper Jackal. 
there are a bunch of people there, including uh, Tim and I, as well as Matt Click and Barker, you know, the, the members of Absolute Tabletop that would love to get in there and help you. So, you know, if, if you do see something on Absolute Tabletop that you like, uh, I think it's definitely worth your time to go check out our uh, Facebook group, even if you don't buy anything, just a great place for inspiration, asking questions, just a really cool community where, you know, it's that's the easiest way for us to talk to you guys. Yeah. And, and Michael, I'll say this. It's a lot of folks who live by the credo that the RPG Academy lives by, which is in that group, it's really positive. And everyone has that mentality of if you're having fun, you're doing it right. And so it's really just like a cool place, even if you're coming up with your own homebrew stuff or just want to ask, hey, guys, what good books are you reading? You know, it's a really fun place. All right. Fantastic. So I feel like we've done a pretty good job so far of telling people why they should check you out. But I live by the rule that you should show and not tell. So sure. I think it's time for us to do a splat book roulette to show them what they're going to see and hear if they go there rather than just tell them about it. So are you guys going to do the splat book? Do you want me to grab a book? What's the, what's the plan here? So I was going to let you pick which book. I've got three next to me. I've got all my fifth edition books. I've got the Monster Manual, the Dungeon Master's Guide, and the Player's Handbook. Uh, you pick the book. And if you could, on your phone or on your computer, if you could time us for five minutes... And we're going to, in five minutes or less, I'm going to just flip and you'll hear the pages <laughs> okay. and I'm going to put my chunky finger on something and we're just going to roll with it. Okay. I'm going to pick the monster manual. All right. You know what? We've never done a splat book roulette with the monster manual. Look yet, at so that. Gonna be a new one. All right. So I have my timer ready to go. Uh, let Perfect. me know when you want me to hit the button. So, yeah. So the basic idea here is obviously with these books, we might land on a piece that already is very clear cut. So meaning especially with the Dungeon Master's Guide, you land on advice. So our rule is we have to come up with something interesting, whatever it is, whether it's a plot hook, an interesting use of the idea, a new way to think about it. So this is going to be fun because who knows, but we're not going to just say if we land on a monster, oh yeah, so the monster is this tall and it has like, that's boring. We're going to try to rethink it in some way. Yeah, it okay. actually brings up a good point because we have not done the monster manual yet. So this may create some new rules for Splatbook Roulette as to what the hell we do <laughs> when we land on a, a, the, the Beholder. I'm like, all right, now what? Yeah. So, yeah, all right. Just, Michael, you say go, and then you're going to hear us flipping because part of the five minutes is finding the topic. Okay. Back down from a challenge. All right, go. All right, and, okay, James, it's a Grimlock. Uh. Give us a page number. All right. So Grimlock, it is page 175 of the fifth edition Monsters Manual. Now, immediately, the first thing that pops out to me is that the Grimlock's armor class is an 11, and its challenge rating is one quarter. Uh, and it's it's just an ugly-looking thing. It's a subterranean creature. It's got this double neck. Stop me if I'm crazy, James. I mm. like just torquing the challenge rating up on this thing. Like taking whatever concept this thing has and just amping it up to 11. I would love the players to run into a Grimlock and think it is a fat oafish quarter challenge monster only to have it wipe the floor with them, teaching them that things are not as they appear. Yeah. Um. So uh, the first thing that I will tell people is that um, I looked up a Grimlock. I'm not a savant. I'm going to say some things about the Grimlock that you may not know, but I don't want you guys to think I've just memorized the monster manual. So if I remember correctly, the Grimlocks um, are blind. And in general, I like this idea because I actually haven't done this, but I'm interested to run a combat with a 
uh, I don't know, the nine. So, I mean, this guy can talk to you. I like the idea of running a combat, maybe even with smarter Grimlock, um, where he's blind. But, you know, it's, it's maybe it's really dark or there's some other environmental hazard that even the blind thing, this blind creature, has the advantage. Um, the I other thing I'll mention in general about the monster manual is go to any monster, do a splat book roulette, pick a monster, read some of the um, lore about it, and you have yourself a whole session of an adventure. Um, that is how my uh, campaign, The Iron Heart of Innis, started. I opened the monster manual, I found one, and I built it from there. Yeah, I did that like two or three times. So let's, in fact, I love what you're saying, right? And so to me, the fact that they're blind, immediately it's the darkness, underdark. You know what I want to do? Let's flip it on its ear. What I want to do is make that hazard that the players can't actually overcome because a lot of players have dark vision. Let's Mm -hmm. make it some kind of crazy white hot light. Oh, yeah, okay. Let's blind the players because now they're on equal footing with the Grimlock. However, the Grimlock is totally skilled in this area so i like that i like taking it in fact i would even say like flip to a different stat block entirely like flip to page 238 go to the half ogre that challenge rating one well that's not even good like go something like crazy like the oni challenge rating seven on page 239 and repaint it to be this grimlock um michael is there anything else you want to throw in there so i always like the idea of taking some the thing you're supposed to kill and not make it something you're supposed to kill. So what if the players have to navigate through like a labyrinth that blinds them? So they actually have to negotiate with the Grimlock to get them, him to lead them through the place that they couldn't get through without him. So he, instead of becoming something you kill, you have to bribe him, cajole him, threaten him, say, Hey, help us. And there you go. So tabletop terrors listeners, you're going to hear this tip uh, the next time on Splatbook Roulette. And we're actually going to, um, RPG Academy is going to be a guest star every week because that was amazing. <laughs> that was great. So, so are more that? amazing is that's less than five minutes and Tim and I were both talking there. So that's, I'm sure we've ripped a hole in the space time continuum. The only way that worked. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And that's Our, just one example of a splat book roulette. Fantastic. Well, well, thank you guys for, for playing along. I, I, I had fun with that. That's the type of thing that I also like to do is just try to create something off the top of the head. And usually it will go in a different direction by the time I actually get to the table, but it's a good place to start. Uh, that could be a good seed for a fun encounter or an entire campaign. Exactly. And my favorite thing about Splatbook Roulette, it forces you to look intently at a thing you've seen a thousand times. So how many times flipping through the monster manual would somebody just thumb and pass the Grimlock and not even consider it as the option or container capacity or some of these things. And it forces you to really not only just think outside the box, but you get better at learning the rules and it just pushes your creativity. I love it. Well, and there's also, there's that, that moment, much like how James was waiting with bated breath for that one moment when Tim would say, Hey, you know, if you want to play, you need a character. And he's got that character in his back pocket. He's ready to go. There's going to be that one moment where someone's like, hey, what page is the Grimlock on? Oh, it's 175. Because then he's going to be like, how the hell did you know that? I was like, I know everything. And then you just walk away. Because you got to drop the mic and walk away. Because if they ask you again, you're done. But but you live for that moment. Okay, container capacity? Oh, that's 152 of the player's handbook. And they're like, he's a god. <laughs> So we're almost done with you. We have a little game we want to play at the end. If you've been listening to our show and tells, 
you know that we like to do a choose-your-own-adventure style game with our guests, and, and you guys will get a chance to take the role of a character and move him down the story a couple more points. But before we do that, I want to ask, is there anything that we didn't cover here tonight that you think is important, someone might want to know or need to know to help them come and check out your stuff? Is there anything that we didn't mention we should have? Um, James, I'll let you answer as well, but the first thing I was going to say is I don't know if it's necessarily something they need to know that we didn't already say, but I get, well, I'll say it this way. We're super collaborative and we love interacting with the community. So where's the best place if tabletop terrors, uh, you know, wanted to interact with some RPG Academy folks, would that be on your website, your Facebook page? If they have questions for us or whatever, we love making it a conversation. And it's not just like we're shouting content out at the world. We love it to be a discussion. Um, so how can we interact with your people more? Uh, so we're pretty uh, focused on Twitter. Um, at the RPG Academy is my my Twitter handle. Uh, Caleb, my co-host, is at the Caleb G. We also have a Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash the RPG Academy. Uh, I think that's pretty much standard. You have to have one of those at, the, at this moment. We also have forums on our website, but it, they're not used very heavily. So I would say the Facebook page is probably the best way to do that. Perfect. So yeah, I guess I would just say to anybody listening, uh, yeah, you're like, I, I, we'd love to hear your thoughts, even on this, like just comment on one of our walls or our Facebook page. Like, you know, us already don't feel shy. Like just join the conversation and you're probably smarter than us. <laughs> and don't forget the, uh, the dollar coupon for the copper jackals on your web. Whenever this goes live, you'll have 30 days. Um, and then again, that's RPG Academy all spelled out all 10 letters gets you a basically a $6 supplement for a dollar to check it out. All right. So, so now everyone that listens to my show regularly knows that I am a master impressionist. I have voices that I do that you, it's terrifying how good I am at them. My Jamaican particularly is really good. So I have been practicing doing a Caleb voice. And since Caleb wasn't able to join us that I'm going to actually attempt to pretend like he's here and be Caleb. So give me a second. <clears throat> me, 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 me. So we're going to continue our choose your own adventure uh, with our show and tell guests. As a quick recap, uh, in the last adventure, our hero Nordling, the human wizard, was sent out on a mission from his wizard master. He encountered a giant cave full of lava and a goblin army. And upon returning to his home, the wizard tower, he found his master gone with a note saying that the master was going to research this goblin occurrence and that the wizard, Nordling, you, were tasked with finding a traveling companion and setting off to meet the wizard at a nearby village. As Nordling has been gathering his supplies, he heard a terrible knock on the tower door. He ran to hide and witnessed the tower being broken into by a strange, burly, humanoid, very imposing figure. Uh, Nordling decided to negotiate with this figure uh, by preparing some uh, martinis and dressing in a Displacer Beast cloak. During this 
final uh, preparation, though, it was revealed that the imposing figure was not, in fact, a burly, scary humanoid, but a female dragon who was searching for the wizard master to have a conversation with him about their offspring. That is where the last adventure ended, and that is where you, gentlemen, must make your choice. Oh, I'm so excited. James, I'm going to throw it to you, but this is like a telenovela. Like, yeah, I'm like... already hooked. I'm like, the dragon did what? So, James, I'm going to throw it to you now. Caleb, are there any particular rules, or is it just purely narrative? But I believe, as proven by the last time we had a choice here, anything goes. <laughs> Fair enough. And there that are, is, this is purely make a decision and we'll figure out what happens next. So, Tim, um, super putting you on the spot to continue my portion. Uh, what is the wizard master's name? Okay. And Caleb, stop us if we do anything that is not, uh, you know, or anything that's already been canonized, you know. Um, so the wizard's name is going to be Tokazaran. Okay, Tokazaran. All right, so um, Justine, the, the green dragon woman, apparently, uh, bursts through the door. Um, as you mentioned, this wasn't a burglary by a burly man at all. It was instead a uh, more a forced entry than anything. And you hear Satine, the green dragon, Tokaz, where you at? Tokaz, now I know you, you listen, listen. Now you got a, you got a baby growing up down the river and Listen, Tokaz, I, you owe me a lot of money. And she, as she walks around and is opening cupboards and, and looking, inspecting vials and opening cages and letting animals run out. Um, with that, Tim, what does Nordling do? Nordling says, oh, I've, I've heard this voice before in the night, stumbling about looking for the bathroom. Let me think. What can I do? What can I say? Certainly my master has gotten up to some monkey shines. Um, uh, yes, uh, Satine. Um, yeah, Tokazaran stepped out just for a moment. Uh, he'll be back. He, um, he went to get some, um, some, um, you know, um. And who are you, his side dragon? Oh, no, no, no. Milady, this is Nordling at your service. I am a wizard in training, and I am the charge of the mighty Tukazaran. You know, I, I know what that means. I was his wizard in training at once. Now listen, you listen to me. Tokaz owes me a lot of back child support, and, and if he don't, if he don't get to paying, we're about to uh, uh, repossess this whole, what does he call it, a wizard's tower? Not much more than a, uh, an ugly barn, if I do say so myself. Milady, we we prefer we prefer calling it Mage Lookout. We prefer, it's a wizard's tower is kind of like, you know, a rhombus is a square, but a square isn't always a rhombus, you know. So, well, do you know when this uh, Tokazaran is going to be back? Oh, in fact, yes. You know, he is probably less than two miles north in the village. You should go meet him there. He would love a brunch, methinks. Well, listen, I, I've, been, I've been turned away multiple times. And if this is you, Tokaz, using a polymorph spell, you know what? To be safe, we ought to go together. We should, I'm going to take you, and, and we're going to go find Tokaz himself. You come with me. 
Well, I'm I'm happy to. I'm actually on my way. Um, there's been a bit of a, mm, a goblin issue in in uh, locally, and, and and unfortunately, while I would love to join you for brunch, do you think you could drop me off? Um, I need to go see Vildemar, Vildemar the warrior, for surely he has slain a thousand goblins if he's slain one. And Satine thinks for a moment. All right, well, you know what? We'll go see Tokaz, and then I'll come with you to do your thing, because, uh, well, like I said, I, I got second thoughts about you being who you really are. I'm sure I would have heard of some Nordling. You know, when he ran out on, on me and his his son down the river, it was an orc infestation in, in a, a, a large stronghold. So I, I just don't believe this whole, uh, this whole goblin thing. So you know what? Ma'am. I'm going to keep you close. Ma'am, my pleasure. And, and, and I assure you, I've seen it with my own eyes. Goblins as far as the eye can see, like a wave of shields and junk traps and terrible breath. Well, we're about to go uh, see a, a wizard with terrible breath and uh, a field of, of bad fatherhood. So uh, let's let's uh, take a trip down to the uh, where did you say he was going? Uh, well, um, he's, he's down at the at the village and he's uh, getting some, um, um, you know, um, uh, what what's that thing he's always eating with the he's dipping it oh the uh skewered newt yes oh he's just it's like all the time just, oh, skewered newt he's you know he's getting a muffin top and i didn't want to say it you know especially in front of you uh, but yes uh, so how does this work do i hop aboard or what get on but uh don't touch anything you don't you don't think you should be touching and uh, with that, I think uh, Satine and um, uh, Nordling uh, travel down to see what uh, Tokazran is actually doing, whether he is, in fact, eating skewered newt or, you know, um, carousing down at the bar. Okay, so what is the name of the nearby village that the two of you are heading to? I would say a good villagey sounding name is Bilton, B-I-L-T-O-N. And what is the name of the tavern in Bilton that everyone goes to? Um, so this is actually a point of contention for Satine, as she is a green dragon. And uh, this is, it's actually a chain in the land. Uh, you've probably heard of it. It's the Red Dragon Inn. Okay, so you guys head off towards Bilton and... As you enter the town proper, you see that there is a large crowd outside of the Red Dragon Inn. And they appear to be very, very angry and irate. Uh, you would hazard a guess that a riot could be forming. And you see that standing on a box uh, in front of the tavern, trying to speak to the crowd, there are two people. One of them appears to be a man-at-arms clad in leather armor. Uh, the other appears to be a, a very old, withered man with wild hair dressed in rags and burlap. This figure in rags and burlap, he is shrieking at the top of his voice, yelling at the crowd, stirring them up. The end is nigh. The end is nigh. We must act now. 
And the other man in leather armor is, is shouting back, uh, demanding uh, silence. Please, please, we must be quiet. We must uh, use logic here. Calm down, calm down. And, and these two guys are basically shouting back and forth, riling the crowd up and trying to calm them down simultaneously. What happens next? So uh, Nordling climbed atop of a, a relatively small dragon, Satina. She is generally able to fit through most doorways, but still as imposing as a dragon. So, I mean, I'd say probably a good two or three feet taller than your normal six foot tall human. And so she flies uh, you know, down and, and lands near this crowd. I'm certainly expecting Tukazaran to be at the the heart of it, uh, probably owing somebody money, uh, you know, gambling debts and whatnot. And so uh, she lands and is surprised to find that nobody actually seems to take notice of a green dragon making landfall outside the inn. And and of course, you know, being as self-centered as she is, doesn't like this. So she lands and uh, she tells Nordling, all right, now it's time for you to get off. And uh, I need to go see what all these uh, small folk is, is doing. And what they's yelling about. And I need you to tell me if uh, Tokan's in there. He's probably at the heart of it. Uh, yes, yes, milady. In fact, um, would you oblige me for just a moment? We, um, if I may address the, the crowd. And what atop... Do you have to do. Sitting atop of Satine, as though riding on her shoulders, looking as imposing and helpful as possible, Nordling addresses the crowd as best he can by saying, um... Can I get your biggest belly roar, milady? And almost with a tisk, um, uh, you know, at the, at the thought of somebody asking her or telling her what to do, but realizing that it might help, she sort of uh, under her breath says, "Well, I'll give you a roar," and she lets out a a roar accompanied with you know a little more than just a sort of enough fire to get people's attention, but not enough to maybe set the straw huts on fire. And at this, Nordling says. Uh, you know, the crowd, I would say, stops in terror. And even amidst the shouting and yelling, the roar of a dragon and the crackle of the flames uh, causes them all to look back in horror. And as this horror washes over them, Nordling says, We're here to help. Though the end is nigh, we're going to meet it with open arms, flip it on its face. And make it a new beginning. Join me and we will stop this apocalypse. We've got a dragon. And in the silence, you know, there's this horror is washing over them and and Nordling finishes his voice ringing out. And about 10 seconds passes. And almost half-heartedly, upon seeing the dragon, the, the haggard man in the burlap sack says, But the end is nigh. And uh, with that, Satine says, well, I'm about to end all y'all if you don't get out of the way. And she begins stalking toward them and uh, again, blowing these uh, not predatory, but sort of cautionary blasts of fire more to put people back and not so much to kill them. And I think that is a perfect place to end this part of the adventure. (laughs) That was so much fun. (laughs) We took a very comedic tone. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, man, that was really hard on my voice. I don't know how Caleb talks like that all the time. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh, but it's nice to see that I'm not the only one working on my voice work. So that that was impressive. But no, we uh, it actually took a very comedic turn last time, which is where the martinis and the uh, yeah, the uh, that's what child it support like. dragons came. So you guys just 
push it right on down the road perfectly. So thank you very much for playing our little reindeer games. I really appreciate that. So, Absolutely. so basically, Tim, James, thank you again for being on the show. I hope everybody will take an opportunity to go check out Absolute Tabletop as well as Tabletop Terrors. Basically, kind of like the RPG Academy. If you just search RPG Academy, you'll find us. If you search Tabletop Terrors, you're probably going to find you too. Um, check out their stuff. Check out their videos. Check out their podcast. Make sure you use the coupon code to go get a copy of Copper Jackals. And also, don't forget the free preview of the campaign building PDF that you can get as well. So, for James and Tim of Tabletop Terrors, this has been Michael, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out the RPGacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the drive-thru RPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media such as Facebook and Google Plus at the RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.